Welcome to the Magic in the Attic mini episode by Midnight Mark. Today, the mini by have, Midnight Mark. Yeah, today I have Preacher Paul here on to really just talk about the thing that we love, which is movies. Yeah, I'm um, the guest we, today, and you're the host. Yeah, <laughs> we might be joined by JBM uh, if he's feeling up to it, but uh, we're going to go through it. So... Preacher Paul, we were just texting, um, and it kind of inspired me to do this, and uh, uh, this is going to kind of follow up some future episodes, we think, and which is why we thought it'd be a good mini discussion. Yeah. Um, we want to talk a little bit about Alfred Hitchcock, um, because we've been talking a lot about how uh, um, Piano Man has like seen no movies. Yeah, he's I watched, like, a- I think, like eight movies total in his life. Like, uh, yeah. literally, yeah. <laughs> I, I also do have a question that I'm going to submit for the pod. Um, so I feel like this might be a, a fun little preview. Because um, I, 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 we talked a little bit with JBM about certain how certain old movies don't stand the test of time. And he yeah. made a joke about, you know, can we not talk about movies that were made in 1910? Mm-hmm. Um and one of the questions I'm going to submit for our next actual episode is when does a movie become, even though it, uh, even though it was, it's just an old movie, similar to his point about North by Northwest, when does yeah. it not matter anymore? And does it stand the test of time? Um, and, and why do certain old ones actually stand the test of time? Um, and so um, I, from that spawned into what I want to talk about right now, which is, well, James Bond. I thought, yeah, I was going to. I was going to say, <laughs> how are you going to make a connection from that to yeah. Honor Majesty's Secret Service? Okay, uh, so we're going to talk. We're going to talk about how great Honor Majesty's Secret Service is and why it should be considered maybe the best Bond movie of all time. Um, okay. But I want to ask you, how do you feel about James Bond as a series in general? I am such a huge I'm a huge James Font James Bond fan. I uh, started oh, man, started watching the movies when I was a little kid. Uh, I thought they were really really cool. Uh, they had the gadgets and the flashy explosions and the exotic locations and the sexy girls and yeah, it's the whole it's everything perfect. that yeah. we want but cannot have. Yeah, yeah, it's it is a man's like a complete like like well, it's really like more of a boy's fantasy. Like it's like it's like none of the none of the things conform to reality at all. But that's part of the fun of, of according James to Bond. Hollywood, a white boy's fantasy. Yeah, well, <laughs> I I mean I feel like I don't know. It's debatable, but he James Bond definitely is white though. But uh, I mean I feel like there are lots of non-white people that look up to James Bond. James Bond is uh, sort of a, a universally uh, beloved man figure. Anyway, I mean feminists hate him, but well, I mean what I love about it. And I know there's been articles and articles and different things written about this. I think there's even been like books written about it. But the thing that's great about James Bond is that it holds up that test of time because you can now watch them as sort yeah. of like culture type. You know and what I like, mean? Like it, even it, the ones that are the... bad, like the even the truly bad ones, like are kind mm-hmm. of fun. Let's let, let's be honest. Like they're fun to yeah. watch. The like, worst James Bond movies are the ones that are mediocre. They're yeah. not so bad. They're good, and they're just not good. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, like Die Another Day does actually approach unwatchable. I would say <laughs> it's yeah, so, really bad, but I mean, they're mostly a fun time. I think even if they're not like great cinema. So I've always said for the longest time, and you you back me up on this if you want. I think there are three uh, MGM James Bond movies. I'm I'm not talking about uh, uh, Never Say Never Again. That we don't we don't talk about Never Say Never Again. Um, oh, you don't like the are, the really old man Sean Connery? I'm kind of nostalgic a, for it these it's days. It's a Thunderball remake. Well, yeah, but he just died. Years old. Yeah, I guess I want to see him in his prime, not old man, fat belly Sean Connery. Not even old man. I mean, like. 10 years past when he should have stopped anyway, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But Kim Basinger is in that. I don't even remember, but okay. (laughs) If you want to add it, we can throw that in the dumpster fire. No, 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 it's not. There's already too much in the James Bond (laughs) filmography. To me, there are three, there are three just genuinely awful, Hard to even say, oh, this is like a fun, redeemable thing about them. And those are Diamonds Are Forever, uh, A View to a Kill, and um, uh, Die Die Another Day. Yeah. Uh, And I'll give my reasons. So, number one, Diamonds Are Forever, it's insanely boring. It also works as a direct sequel to On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which it's, I think, one of only two or three James Bond movies that is an actual direct sequel. Um, yeah. And it was essentially made to be like, hey, we apologize for like this terrible movie with George Lazenby, which I'll get into in a second about how it's not terrible. No, On Her Majesty's Secret Service is good. It's like yeah. really good, yeah. Yeah, and then and then Sean Connery was just old, and like he clearly didn't want to be Bond anymore, and it's just like he's not good yeah. in it. The script is bad. It's an apology for a great movie. Like it just it's just not good. Yeah, no, it's like Sean Connery phoning it in, getting his check that one last mm-hmm. time. Yeah, yeah, to, to 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 basically get out of a contract, really. Yeah, and then there is a view to a kill. Which, I mean, you could make arguments for some of the other Roger Moore movies, like I said, like at least with Moonraker. I was saying I think View to a Kill is watchable, if only for uh, Christopher Walken. But then you were bringing up Grace Jones, and I was like, uh, yeah, she's a really bad Bond girl. Like, so it starts out with him basically having a love interest with a with a female three times his junior yeah, um, like it I mean, looks like he is her grandfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's almost sixty years old in this yeah, movie, he is and she is old. Yeah, barely eighteen. Um, yeah. and that part, I mean, it's like I said in our text message, he was probably too old to be on uh, to be in a spy who loved me, which is only good, which is only fine because that is his best movie. Um, and then yeah. he made three more movies. <laughs> yeah, I feel so, like. I feel like, and I don't know if this is true because I'm not enough of like a Bond uh, expert or uh, Bondologist or whatever you call it. But I feel like, uh, like Roger Moore was at the age when they originally hired him, like for Live and Let Die, that like 
it would have made sense if he had done two or three movies and then quit. But I, I feel think like he's he, 44. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like he was just like, no, I'm just going to keep doing this. <laughs> and just like, keep going. They were, they were, they just, I, I don't feel like they didn't know how to stop it. Cause I mean, he was popular as Bond. Dude, this chain is rolling. I but mean, man, I watched you... Moonraker the other day and that's, that's the fourth one. Uh, Roger Moore did, I think. Um, and it is, I don't wait, which came first Moonraker or I... Octopussy? think it's i think it's moonraker hold on i can look him up i think yeah but man he's really starting look to look old in that one is what i was gonna say and that's like late 70s like that's not even as bad as it gets in the 80s with roger moore oh no i i agree and 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 that's the let's see here so he made live and let die then a man with a golden the man with the golden gun which I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong. The man, man with the golden, golden gun is, is actually I, really I, freaking and good. And I also, I also like Live and Let Die. I mean, it's not great, but it's pretty good. Pretty good. The only movie. problem with Live and Let Die is the end. Um, yeah, the man with the I mean, golden there are parts. Gun, yeah, I've argued the Man with the Golden Gun is his best movie because it's minimalist. It's like a really minimalist James Bond movie. They're basically on that island the entire time. Um, yeah, no, um, Man with the Golden Gun is pretty cool. Um. Christopher Lee is just a dope bad yeah, guy. Anything with Christopher Lee, I am mm-hmm. there for. Yeah, so it was Moonraker in 79, then For Your Eyes Only, then Octopussy, and okay. then, yeah. And so, 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 so yeah, Roger so, yeah, Moore so, actually no, did sorry, seven movies. Make, yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he made four more movies, movies he after made he should have stopped. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah. so, and the, so, but that's my point with the View to a Kill is. Is he so old? And I mean, no disrespect really to Grace Jones. It's just like she's she's not like it's not meant to be a bond. She's woman. not typical like bond female. She doesn't like, have like the bond girl body, I would say. Yeah, and well, I mean, yeah, not she, to be I mean, crass she, about it. No, but. no, no. She was a, <laughs> she would have been better as like just the villain with Christopher Walken. I think she was a fine cast for that. But yeah. then to be like sort of his love interest at some point in the movie was just weird. It's very non-Bonds um, type. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, because she's like this insanely fit yeah. villainess and he's like this old curmudgeonly guy. And it just yeah. is gross. And like if Tim Dalton maybe would have started with this one, you could have potentially salvaged the story a little bit. But man, yeah. I mean, but the other thing is it's just, it's so overproduced and I can't remember, and it may have been The Spy Who Loved Me, so it might have been the movie before that, but he, like, kills Blofeld or something, which, like, obviously was just a bad choice in general. Like, it, yeah. it, the, the last leg of Moore is bad. And then, finally, is Die Another Day. And I say this because... Die Another Day, I say definitively, is the worst James Bond yeah, movie. it is. Without it, question. It is. It is the worst. The whole ice castle thing, like every it, it element just, of it, is totally yeah, laughable. The, yeah. the dude with the diamonds like stuck in his face, like it's it feels so. Uh, you remember it, Batman and Robin? Yeah, it's exactly yeah. like that. Except it's exactly yeah. like that, because you know how yeah. Batman Forever is actually like it's not good, but it's like kind of a fun, watchable, over the top Batman movie. Yeah. So that to me is the world is not enough, right? So yeah. like you have GoldenEye, which is really good. And then you have Tomorrow Never Dies, which is objectively worse, but is like still like a decent Pierce Brosnan Bond movie. It's yeah. kind of got like the whole 90s vibe to it, similar to, you know, Batman Returns, right? And I, then you yeah. have the world. I have like the world, the world is not, not enough. enough. Yeah, I think it's yeah, like I do a too. fun. I, th- 
And yeah, Robert I like, Carlyle. Yeah, I even like Denise really, Richards in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, no. That's the one thing about it that is bad. But like, <laughs> I, but I, yeah, I, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, like, but I, I really, I mean, it, I, uh, I go to bat for the world is not enough. I think it's got a pretty good plot. I think, I think it actually makes more sense than Tomorrow Never Dies. It just, yeah, Denise Richards like kills it. If she's not in it, it's probably a much better movie. I mean, she is not a good actress, but. No, it makes terrible. sense that she should be in a Bond movie. I would say. No, I agree. I mean, she's she's beautiful and yeah. like it. Yeah, but man, it just uh, no. But there's there's no comparing another, in terms of the Pierce Brosnan like, movies. Die Another Day is it's, it's like, like a it's, thirty minute commercial for how hot Halle Berry is. Like, yeah, and <laughs> none of the plot makes any sense. Um, and also there's no humor in it. Like it's not except for they tried to squeeze John Cleese in there to like be the new Q and like be quippy and and it just doesn't doesn't work. work. Like they, they got rid of that as in the, in the Daniel Craig movies. Like, I mean, yeah, like I just, um, I, I feel like the, there was no, I don't know. There wasn't any of that sort of like, um, uh, dark humor that a lot of the really good Bond movies have. It's just like a movie. Die Another Day is like taking itself too seriously, mm-hmm. and it's also ridiculous. So it's yeah, just, I mean, I've it's literally painful to watch. Yeah. I've literally always compared the Pierce Brosnan series to the Batman series, like the before you know Chris Nolan. Like you have yeah. the two Tim Burtons, then you have the one Joel Schumacher that's bad, but has like Jim Carrey as like a pretty you know iconic joke uh, uh, Riddler and like. It's a weird movie in retrospect, but it's also like Val Kilmer's kind of a good Batman and like it just it's it's watchable. It's like a fun, bad Batman movie. And then there's, you know, Batman and Robin, which is just awful and overproduced and sappy. Um, And that's how I feel about the other. And so, yeah, I mean, not to say there are only three bad James Bond movies because there are a lot of bad James Bond movies. But those are the three that are like, even if you are a James Bond fan you're just like okay these suck <laughs> am i and like I, did you have another one you want to throw in there those are kind of the three that i that i think of yeah well i yeah in terms of the worst um yeah i think you hit the three that are kind of objectively the worst i think actually you only live twice is pretty bad <laughs> as well but it's all but it's like uh it's totally watchable though when i say it's pretty bad i mean like they're it's kind of boring in parts i kind of i see i like it better than i like thunderball but i just think thunderball's too really is my problem yeah no, I, I think I thunderball's do. great um okay. no I, uh, I mean look i'm i'm all for the original run of connery like yeah I just, yeah for whatever reason i kind of have a weird like thing for you only know, live twice but i mean i don't disagree with this take that yeah. much like from a, uh, from a film standpoint yeah and i mean um yeah i mean i would agree about all the late roger moore stuff being not that great and him being too old for the role but i mean all, even those movies i would say well, if they're the on end. if they're on i'll sit down and kind of half pay attention and have some fun mm-hmm. with it on you know like well, you know watch it, watch the last 30 minutes of um octopusy and then the last 30 minutes of for your eyes only they're exactly the same they have the exact same ending like that's the one weird thing about like roger moore is that like if it's spoilers i guess if anyone's listening to this and you've never seen it but like 
he has four movies in a row where the last scene is basically like the military running down a hill shooting at people. Like it's, <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, this this worked in a spy who loved me, so let's do this every single time. At least a view to a kill doesn't have that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They spared us of that. It just has uh, like Christopher Walken like screaming underneath like a, a what was his evil mm-hmm. plan in that movie to like blow up some. Oh dam or yeah, something it was like yeah it was the like control i don't know he had some ridiculous scheme in that oh, movie okay, but yeah, yeah. i can't he, remember okay what so it was. he owns so he owns a company um that wants to like like create an earthquake and wipe out all of silicon valley so he <laughs> oh, can like yeah. be the be the only distributor of like whatever they make the technology yeah it, yeah it was like an early tech thriller i, I remember now mm-hmm. which oh, they man. did again in tomorrow never dies whenever he tries to like take over the, yeah um, when technology the, the, was the, actually real yeah. yeah when he yeah when he tries when he tries to take over all like the ads of china or whatever yeah. it is yeah but yeah well, no, that's I, but not not a the, dumb plot if you read the plot yeah. of review to a kill you're like oh that's kind of a neat thing and then you watch the movie and you're like whoa <laughs> yeah i mean that old man roger moore really will kill the momentum of a movie but i will say i the other thing i was going to say is that i think uh timothy dalton gets a bad rap a lot but i actually like his his bond like both of his bond movies i feel mm. like are, are are like watchable they're not they're not great mm. they're but they're yeah. like they're fine See, like, I put him. See, that's my problem. But with sometimes his, people will that, be like, "Timothy Dalton was horrible," and I'm like, "Yeah, he was all right." Well, my problem with Timothy Dalton is, I mean, they wanted Pierce Brosnan initially yeah. anyway, and Pierce Brosnan was supposed to have like, yes, those yeah, six Timothy movies. Dalton was the poor man's Pierce Brosnan. Yes, yes, yeah, they they wanted Remington Steele and couldn't get him. Um, yeah. but <laughs> the but my problem with the Tim Dalton movies is exactly what i said before they're not good and they're not bad either they're not like oh these movies are trash and so they're like haha look how dumb this is like with jaws and moonraker like running like hugging that woman while everything's blowing up like you know (laughs) you don't have any of those movies yeah so you have yeah they're they're very safe movies they feel like yeah and they're they're also kind of dark and i don't know like they're again yeah i agree like they're not bad they're totally watchable but I just I don't know. They're they're skippable as well because he only did two of them and they're both kind of lower tier. And so yeah. that like they both are. He doesn't have one that's good and one that's kind of crappy. Like they're they're both just like 6 out of 10. Yeah, you know? I would say if you made me rank the Bond actors, I would say Timothy Dalton would be the lowest. But um Absolutely. I totally but, agree. But yes. I do but I don't think he's a bad Bond either. He makes sense as Bond. He's just I think he, he kinda had an unfortunate timing and when he got it and they wanted somebody else really instead. Yeah. It so would have been compared better compared to Pierce two... Brosnan, he's not yeah. as good at yeah, yeah. It would have been better if those two would have been Brosnan and Brosnan's third movie was Goldeneye. So like I yeah. I yeah. But that and but again, like we talk about this whole test of time thing, like the cool thing about Bond is, okay, so they're kind of old and you're like, oh, you know, action movies like that, they get dated, right? But the cool thing about Bond is like you actually can watch them from the lens of like, oh, this is, you know, set in the 60s. Because, you know, they still do spy thrillers that take place in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. And so you can almost watch them as not present day. You know what I mean? Like it is 
it it, it is for its period of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and it's and just it, cool. Yeah. yeah. And the movies uh, now it seems like take great pains to sort of sort of stamp themselves in like what year they were made, <laughs> pretty much. Um, right. Because they, they, it's now existed over uh, six decades or or whatnot. So, um, are we gonna save our 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 favorite Bond movies for a potential top five in the future? Nah, or do we want to do that now? No, nah, let's do it now because yeah. I I feel like we're the only two that really care. So yeah, so yeah, so you go first. So hmm, uh, so I would say there's no wrong answer, Paul. And the <laughs> I, the the order of this is probably gonna be all wrong because I'm not really putting that much thought into it. But I would say for my top five, um, Casino Royale is going to be one of them. Um, I would say, I want to say Man with the Golden Gun, but see, I haven't watched The Spy Who Loved Me recently, so I might actually like that one better in retrospect. I'm not sure. But thinking over it, I think uh, Man with the Golden Gun is the favorite of, my favorite of the Roger Moore movies. Um, and then I go... Uh, Thunderball, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Um, no, actually, sorry. I'm not putting Honor Majesty's Secret Service in my top five. Thunderball, mm. Gold, uh, Goldfinger, and uh, From Russia with Love. Oh, man. Well, yeah, I'll... Th- that's my top I will, five. The I three Connery it, movies, yeah. the one Roger Moore movie, and the one Daniel Craig movie. Yeah. Um, I would say probably... My, like if you're saying like what are the five best james bond movies yeah. um like what are the five best not necessarily my favorite like my i think the five best ones are um number one casino royale i don't even know if it i don't even really know if it's close like that is like definitively just the best james bond movie like from a film perspective from a production oh, yeah. it's perspective it's definitely the most ambitious yeah, I mean, james bond movie it, yeah. yeah it just well i mean like i guess if you're saying like well, just because away, like in the 60s strip, with, with with Sean Connery, they couldn't have dreamed of doing any of the stuff that they're right. doing in Casino that, Royale. That, that's what I'm saying. Strip away your Bond fandom. Like, if you just look at them from like a film critic perspective, like yeah. what is the best one, and it is that one. Yeah, Casino um, Royale and I, for sure. Yeah, and I think, and maybe not number two, but I'll just go ahead and say it uh, is Spyfall. I mean, Spyfall is just so good. Yeah, and Skyfall is really good. It, but I, I feel like it's not. Spyfall. That's a that's yeah. a board game. Skyfall, yeah. You're good. good. I feel like Skyfall is not going to age as well as Casino Royale will, though. Probably not. No, I agree with that. I feel like there are things about Skyfall that are very 2012 now, but Mm -hmm. I I don't know. But that's. uh, Yeah, that's the cool thing about Casino Royale is it sort of has this 60s vibe set in 2008. Yeah, or 2006. Yeah, I, 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 I get that. Um, my number three would definitely be um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, and there's a few reasons for it. Um, number one, just like on a grand scale, if you look at movies like Inception, I mean, like Christopher Nolan has said that like a lot of his action movies, like a lot of the action sequences in his movies, are very heavily inspired by that movie. Um, I think if you look at kind of spy movies in general, like what they did for that movie. I mean, it's two hours and 45 minutes. Um, it's just this massive spectacle of a movie that involves like him being a spy, but also the undercover thing and also like an action movie. But then not to mention 
they spice in a love story that actually works. Like you actually care. And then you get to the finale of the movie, which is objectively the best final five minutes of any James Bond movie. And it leads up to that so well. And I just think it gets lost in the facts that it's George Lazenby when, when, you know, and there's some production things with it. And Blofeld is kind of weird and cheesy sixties, you know, henchman guy, like, but but that's I mean, the one with looking, uh, Tony Savalas as Blofeld, right? Yes, yeah, and that's yeah, the other I thing. actually so, kind of so, like so, that Blofeld. Yeah, but. so you know, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, it's Savalas as Blofeld, which yeah. I think his is the best because his makes the most sense. It's not like Doctor Evil, you know. Yeah. Um, he's actually like kind of a brutish guy with a you know with a plan, not a dope. Yeah. Um, and it really kind of introduces like what Spectre is, rather than just like a weird dumb terrorist organization. Um, and so, yeah, Yeah. so I personally, I think if you look at it from like an action movie standpoint on her majesty's secret service is so extremely underrated and, and is, if it is, if it wasn't for Casino Royale, I would have a hard time not saying it's my favorite or the best, but yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, I put it on my top five and then took it off. And I, if I rewatched it, I might rearrange it. But, uh, my only thinking was that like, um, it is great, and it is the only time you get a a like love interest for James Bond that is like that works. seems. It's 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 uh, the only time where James Bond has sort of like a love story that's beyond just like he is conquering the woman. You know, like it, it, they mm-hmm. sell it to you where you're like, oh, James Bond is like loves this woman. Uh, well, and, that's also why Casino Royale works because of Vesper. That's yes. another you know. Yeah, yeah, I guess Casino Royale is the one other place where that does happen. Um, but you kind of know, I feel like in Casino Royale, like what's going to happen? Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know that can't really last. So, I, I mean, right. I don't know. Um, I, I do like Honor Majesty's Secret Service a lot. It's snowy. I like that about it. <laughs> <laughs> go, go on with what you were saying. Oh, you're good. And then, um, and then, yeah, and then the the two the two big Conneries. Um, yeah, uh, I from Russia with Love. Which is just a just a fantastic espionage movie, and then um, Goldfinger. Yeah. I mean, and Goldfinger is probably the most campy, actually, of all of the ones. But yeah. it's just so good, and it iconic. still works, like, though. Just, yeah, it works. Yeah. And I like, mean, if not Goldfinger, I would agree with you switching that out with a man with a golden gun. I'd probably put Golden Gun as six because I think it is so horrendously underrated as like a minimalist bond movie and there is kind of that stupid scene where he does a barrel roll with his car but like remove that and like it's so it's even got like a good twist at the end like you know because if you're watching them sort of in a vacuum you're not really you know if you're just kind of watching them in order like oh maybe this is roger moore's last james bond movie and he really does get shot you know like i don't like it's 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 really good, I think, you know, and it, it just it it feels low budget and it feels less like, oh, look at my weird gadget where, you know, I have a pen that can blow everyone up, you know? Yeah, but it it but it feels it. I think that movie feels like a lot of the like grindhouse exploitation movies of that era that Christopher totally Lee agree. was in a lot of like uh it but it has that sort of it, it does feel low budget, but it also feels like kind of intimate like those movies felt like. Uh, the characters all feel a little bit more grimy and dirty and real. Uh, so I, yeah, I like man with the golden gun for a lot of those same reasons. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome. All right, so to transition a little bit into our next and last segment here for our little mini uh, discussion that I, I love having this with you, by the way, because you don't complain about movies being old or hey, I mean, you know, you're, just you're, not watching them in general. <laughs> you're the one who's uh, in a time zone where it's uh, after midnight, so I, I you were you were like, I'm not tired, man. Let's do a mini sode, and I was like, I know. All right, I if you say so. Excited to talk talk about James Bond. Yeah. Um, but like Alfred Hitchcock. I mean, yeah. sort of a sort of the same way. Like, do you think that his movies are fading to where like there are a few that really do stand out, kind of like Rope, you know, that even though it gets older and the fact that it's a shorter movie and like yeah. it kind of it has like a it has a plot that can stand the test of time. Um, do you think his movies like Rear Window, some of his classic ones, especially Psycho as time goes on? Do you think yeah. they just become art pieces where you watch them because they're old or like, are they still good? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, um, I mean, old movies in general, this is what got us into this topic was talking with, uh, uh, JBM about old movies, but I feel like mm-hmm. this is something I see not just with like JBM, but with all kinds of people, like, I feel like our, our cultural context feels increasingly foreign to the world that those movies are set in right mm-hmm. like a lot of the older movies which but is why objectively I, you can watch 12 angry men today yeah even the old one and yeah. most people even people who do not like old movies will like that movie yes yeah i mean i don't i think hitchcock is still relevant to me he is i mean uh, to people who like like to watch movies and like actually like think about them I think that like Hitchcock mm-hmm. is always going to be relevant um, because I mean, that's, that's, that's what he was about. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, the same reason Kubrick is always going to be relevant and uh, you know, a handful of other great directors. Um, but here's the argument with Kubrick though, is most of his movies were mo- were made after the Hayes code. And mm-hmm. so most of his movies were made without the extreme yeah. censorship. You're right there. And when I, so it's always funny to me when people say, well, you know, if Alfred Hitchcock didn't have the censorship, he still would have made movies that are no, like, his movies were way, all full no, of boobies after the look Hayes Code. At Fren- well, look yeah. at Frenzy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look at Frenzy. Yeah. Like, Frenzy literally has three nude scenes in it. Like, yeah. I mean, so that argument that some people make about Hitchcock, like, oh, is just total trash. Hitchcock like, was totally, not above putting yeah. nudity in his movies. He just oh, absolutely not. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely not. So, so, but that that's one of the things with Kubrick is that he did get to kind of lift the cover off of his movies post two thousand one. Yeah. Which, and I, I don't even think two thousand one would have been rated R even in for Kubrick. So like removing that, like only Dr. Strangelove really fits that category. It's in, yeah, that. it's interesting that you bring up the Hayes Code because I think that is actually kind of important. Like I feel like part of the reason why – like I, nothing in movies that come out today are subtle, right? Like you don't have to really pay mm-hmm. that much – that close attention to the dialogue in most modern movies. But in older movies, like you had to pay closer attention to everything everybody said in the subtext – to get what's going on and to get everything in the movie. Cause they can't like, because of the Hayes code, a lot of times characters can't, you can't show things or characters can't say things in a certain way. 
but they literally didn't have a toilet on right. screen until yeah. 1960. <laughs> so yeah, that but that's why like you can have shots of like women in these old movies like uh, speaking these you know lines of dialogue that clearly are like you know like dripping with like sexual intent, but it's so heavy because they yeah. have to signal it through the dialogue, obviously because they can't show them like you know. Which is part of that, like, part part of that, like, uh, again, for breaking the barrier for Hitchcock, you know, in Notorious, when um, Ingrid Bergman and Cary Grant, you know, you're not allowed to kiss for more than, I think it was like two seconds. And they kiss for two seconds, I think, like 10 or 10 or 11 times over the course of like two minutes, saying a word in between each thing, like, just little things he did that yeah you don't you would not think about that if you didn't know that but like if you do know that it's really hilarious how he trolled the Hayes code yeah i think he took great personal pleasure in circumventing their rules and sort of like abiding by the letter of them but not the spirit (laughs) like that's what Mm -hmm. hitchcock was all about um so i like that about him he's kind of a a trickster in that way right Uh, yeah i mean i i like um yeah, uh, we will save our top five Hitchcock movies for a top five proper uh, right. at some point. But um, yeah, I, I think most all of his movies, even the ones that are just kind of so-so, um, are still are still relevant. I think you know he he is kind of a you know a giant of that generation, and there are quite a few giant directors mm-hmm. of that sort of golden Hollywood era. Cool. But I sort of, I, I sort of thought of this too because, like, I had never watched, um, oh, which one is it called? Um, I, I had uh, the the one with Peter Fonda in it. Um, that's actually like a true story. Oh, hmm. man, what is that? Which one? one is it called? Um, See, he has some lesser known ones that I haven't seen actually. Yeah, and I hadn't. I'd actually. I had owned this. I've owned this movie for fifteen years, and I'd never I didn't watched know he did it. A movie with and we, we were we were talking about it the other day, and I was like, "I'm gonna find." Oh, the wrong man, right? It's 1956. Okay. It's with it's with Peter Fonda, and it is a true story. Um, and what was sort of groundbreaking with it was is that it was you know it was one of those like first thriller true story movies that they did where it was like we're going to take real life and it's not going to be like a documentary type or it's not going to be like a musical or whatever like it's going to be this like thriller right yeah but the problem with that movie is is it it literally is about you know that the police find the guy that clearly did not commit this crime and even though it may have been the first of its kind it just like okay, this movie, like this style has been done 500 times since 1956. Yeah. And it is done better now. And so if you don't watch this movie until you're 30, like I did, you're probably going to find yourself pretty bored. Um, Or at least I did, you know, I'm like, okay, it's all right. Like the acting is pretty good, but it just doesn't, it's like I can watch a different movie that's more updated, that's better than this one. But if you take his very Harry next Dean mo- Stanton has a bit part in this movie. In The Wrong Man? Yes. No way. I did not catch that. Oh, I did well, I didn't also didn't know Harry Dean Stanton is dead, but apparently he died in twenty seventeen. Yeah. I thought he was still yeah. alive. He he was in a wrong man? Yeah, That's he was in the wrong man. He apparently it was one of his first roles, I believe. Was he uncredited? Because he's not on here. Uh, I'm looking at Wikipedia. Yeah, he was uncredited. 
Okay, he yeah. He must have just been in the background because I did not know. I did not see him. Um, but yeah. Um, I mean, liter- But but take take in account literally his next movie is Vertigo, which yeah, Vertigo is. I mean, awesome. if you think about like he did, he did like the Trouble with Harry, the Man Who Do Too Knew Too Much, and Wrong Man, all three of which are arguably like lower end. And then went Vertigo, North by Northwest, Psycho, like, yeah. and then The Birds, like, bam, 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 all movies people have heard of, um, and yeah, I, I, mean, would I think The Birds is whatever, but <laughs> it's whatever, but people remember it, and and yeah. and it's it's always going to stand out as like, you know, the movie Grandma said was was good, you know, like, um, but but Vertigo, in my opinion, Vertigo will hold up. And I mean, obviously, like you say, we make our list. Like, I mean, spoiler alert: this one's going to be on there for me. Yeah, but like, same. Um, but like, Vertigo just does things that movies even today still try to replicate, and they do not do it as well. I mean, outside of some of the special effects, like when he's like a green head floating in space. I um, I like, stand that. I think that's cool. No, no, I think it's cool because it's got kind of a um, it's got got kind of like this like cool LSD vibe going on with it. Yeah. You know, um, Vertigo is super like, trippy. It just it's so good because it takes everything that you know about those movies, especially movies like back then, and just it just tears them apart. Um, yeah. And I just I don't think there's anything in this movie that makes you go, oh wow, that's old. You know. Like that's part of it. And, and, and I feel the same way about rear window. Like there's nothing about rear window that when I rewatch it, it's like, Oh, this is just old. Like it's kind of this cool, like, you know, voyeurism, you know? Yeah. And there's, there's, there's really nothing in it outside of like, there's not someone in there playing a video game or on their phone or something Yeah. that no. doesn't, that, 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 that isn't timeless. And Honestly, so I that's do... kind of one of the comforting aspects of old movies is nobody on a computer. Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> yeah. Uh. But that's my thing. I mean, like the, 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 the cool thing about vertigo to me is that the twist is halfway through the movie. And then yeah. rather than it being like halfway through the movie and then you get through the rest of the movie, there's another one. It's literally got two twists, yeah. which is not something very many movies can say. Um, and I do think that's why vertigo will hold up because just when you think like, Oh, he got me once, (laughs) yeah, you know, I mean, that's just how I feel about it at least. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I, I feel a lot the same way. Um, yeah, the, the, the late fifties into early sixties run that Hitchcock had is pretty unprecedented in terms of like the ambition of the kind of stuff he was doing. Like vertigo, north by northwest psycho i mean travis hates on north by northwest <sighs> in the 1950s yeah, you know that was the dopest stuff you'd ever seen on tv well on, yeah on and i mean screen. like yeah i i think it was interesting the way that he pushed the envelope and i mean i mean you like look at even like rebecca i mean a movie like rebecca yeah. that came out in 1940 you know, it's just it, it, it kind of it, it kind of portrayed women in a different light. You know, like he he yeah. was doing things with women characters that other movies just were not doing, and yeah. it really gave I think like the actress a voice. You know, in in a in a man's world, um, yeah. especially Very popular in like, for feminists to hate on Hitchcock these days, though. <laughs> yeah, but but to me that's super weird because. If you look at his movies, like 
they're not like all femme fatales. They're not all like just damsels in distress. Like most of his movies, like Lifeboat, which is an extremely underrated. Oh, I Hitchcock forgot movie. about Lifeboat. Lifeboat is yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Lifeboat is an incredible movie, and it is just spearheaded by a fantastic performance by Talua Bankhead. Like. I I, I I think that that the criticism of him from sort of like the feminist is is so is so dumb it because seems very I, surface it, level because i feel like if yeah, you pay attention to his movies you can't help but notice that he he is actually ahead of his time in many ways in the way he portrays women in a lot of his uh, I, I, movies I uh, completely agree. I, mean, I think he mostly like, gets a bad rap because there's lots of horror stories about him personally being very horrible to women that he worked with. But, but wasn't he like that with everyone? Like a lot of people yeah. think that Alfred Hitchcock was gay, and a, a, like a lot of people he was an egomaniac. That, yeah, like like yeah, most directors. Of, well, yeah, but a lot a lot of people yeah. believe that like his his and his wife's relationship was kind of a yeah. You know, he may have been uh, <laughs> gay. I don't yeah, know. I, I mean, yeah. or or that at least he had you know extra sexual tendencies or something i mean i don't know if that's true but i've like seen and read some things about that about how or or maybe like it was his wife like his wife was a lesbian and they got married so like i don't know it's 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 something like that um so i I think but yeah i think he's i think that criticism is totally ridiculous because suspicion lifeboat notorious um dial in for murder to catch a thief all of these movies are like very female centric with strong central female female characters and i mean even vertigo like the freaking villains a a a woman (laughs) yeah like yeah yeah i mean uh and i mean (laughs) we were we haven't even talked about the sort of subtext of rope which is a whole other issue exactly yeah Yeah. but we'll get Uh, into that in in our because i'm sure we'll talk about that in a regular episode rope is another one one, though that i will say jbm is right there i do think rope is pretty nearly perfect as a movie and i don't oh it is it it, i I don't think it really suffers at all uh from when you first watch hitchcock movies you don't necessarily go oh yeah rope like that's like maybe his second or third best movie ever but then like the longer but it you, goes yeah but where is the problem it, it, in it you can't find a yeah you a can't it's literally perfect it. and yeah you literally yeah it's it's literally perfect and every time i think about rope like it's not my number one but like it's like okay well no maybe it is better than that one you know what i mean yeah and it's and it's very short by hitchcock standards like it's like 80 minutes i think like it's mm-hmm. like very short or 85 yeah you can just it, yeah, yeah you can just pop it in and watch it like a you know like an episode it, or it almost feel it feels like a like a one-act play or something or like a you know like a, a short play um being performed for you but it's a movie okay it's cool yeah yeah well um so i mean i guess that kind of I guess it's going to go into a little bit of my last little thing was like, uh, like, where do you, I mean, it seems to me like there aren't a whole lot of great, like just great filmmakers anymore. Right. So we're talking about Alfred Hitchcock and Stanley Kubrick and then certainly mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg, um, you know, uh, kind of the, the Spielberg, yeah. Scorsese, George Lucas, Coppola crew, you know, those four guys that are all real good friends. Yeah. Um, I mean, man, 
you know, like we literally just saw Christopher. Well, I know you're a critic of Christopher Nolan, but Christopher Nolan literally just put out his his uh, like his worst movie, right? Yeah. Um, and he, for all respects, and I know you have your opinion about it, but he he has been the best filmmaker of our generation, and at least in my opinion. Um, in, yeah, if you're thinking about, I, I I think you're wrong about some of his stuff, but I I definitely yeah. I I respect that you have an opinion. I I just I disagree with you on a lot of it. Um, but I think between if it's not him, it's Dennis Villanueva, and I just don't think Villanueva has as many. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is um this is a interesting and maybe a question for the pro for the pod proper, in fact. But I I, I think it's just a difference in like. No, Christopher Nolan is probably the most technically talented director alive today in terms of making big, in terms of making uh, marketable Hollywood movies. Um, right. I don't know if there's anybody who's better at that craft than Christopher Nolan. Um, but uh, but, but I when think... he makes small movies, they're still great. Insomnia, The Prestige, Memento, yes. all three yes. great movies that you even agree are great. Yes. Yeah. Although, you know, although he hasn't made one of those in probably 15 years now though. Oh no. <laughs> I would yeah, say no, he hasn't. Uh, he hasn't. He's feel, it Not seems like the prestige. Yeah. It seems like he's kind of progressed beyond that at this point, uh, which I think is kind of unfortunate, but like, um, I, I guess I, I, it feels to me like Nolan is running that same playbook, uh, of like Spielberg and George Lucas, um, and those, um, sort of, um, new, new golden age era, Hollywood guys from like the seventies and early eighties. But I, I, it just feels to me like um, that's not going to work anymore in the 21st century. I don't think movies succeed by the same rules that they used to. Like, I think all the great directors, but what, but what now, are those rules? Because right now the only great movies are superhero movies. Well, uh, <laughs> in terms of like mainstream Hollywood movies, like those are the only yeah. movies that are making a ton of money, I guess. Um, I mean, well, that, well, and, that and Ari Aster horror movies, I guess. But other than well, that, I was gonna I mean... say, I think Ari Aster <laughs> is a is an exceptionally uh, original voice as a, a filmmaker. Uh, I would say, I mean, I I think you're right that Villanueva is um a, a, like really awesome talent. Um, and I I mean, I think there's probably a dozen or two really solid um working directors but I, I think the problem is like the studios are getting more and more um not viable unsustainable every year like they mm -hmm. um i i think as everything goes to streaming um well the studios will will sort of basically get their tendrils in uh into and already are doing this constantly uh, into the streaming services so they'll end up still the same people will end up controlling things in sort of a conglomeration of the same sort of companies but everything's going to shift to online platforms and it's it keeps getting more and more uh it keeps getting cheaper all the time to make movies because cameras keep getting cheaper um it keeps getting cheaper to distribute and store data um and the, but do you also think it's kind of the the surgence of television series and binge watching yeah. that people are like, okay, we can create this story and rather than making sequels, we can make 10 episodes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that like, uh, yeah, I mean, I think some of the, a lot of the, the, the talent is in, you know, TV now too. I mean, TV is having a big, 
um, resurgence. Uh, what's weird though is that I still kind of prefer movies, even though like TV uh, is huge. I find that like well, I do a too lot of, from a, a lot story of the time, perspective. I'm, if yeah. you can start and finish a plot, it's similar to a book. I do, I do agree with that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time, I mean, I like TV, but the show has to be really good and hold my attention really consistently mm-hmm. for me to get all the way through a show. Um, just but but with a movie, it's like I can strap in for an hour and a half or two hours and go on whatever ride this is. If it's not that good, it's not yeah. that big of a deal. Um, but with a TV yeah, show, well, and I also think you could sit and think there's, you know, if you really sit and think about a, a TV show from its pilot to its series finale, mm-hmm. how many of those are actually great, like complete stories. And I think there's, yeah, it's almost, there's impossible. only, yeah, well, yeah, there's, yeah. there's like a handful. I mean, I can think of five or six off the top of my head right now, but that's it. Like I can't, I couldn't list you. Yeah. 50 great top to bottom TV shows. And I could probably rattle off, you know, we could make another two hours of this podcast just talking about, I mean, we literally just talked just about, talking about good shows, James just Bond. talking about pretty good shows that have a bad last season. Like how many shows like that are there? It's like every show. Yeah, pretty, yeah. That's or, like kind of the standard thing. Is that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they just die or go, they, yeah, they, exactly. they trail um, off at the end. Yeah. Right. And so, and so that's kind of my, I'm just, I, that's what I was wondering is if you thought that, you know, the, the craft of making new and original and, and that kind of goes with JVM's thing about Parasite. Like I, and I know you haven't seen it, so I'm not going to spoil it, but I do want you to watch it. I do. I need I to watch Parasite. It. I thought about watching yeah, it the other I absolutely night, loved but then it. I didn't. I, it's super it, long it, though, it isn't start, it? No, it's not. Um, it starts at, okay. it's two hours, I think. Okay, um, it starts as like one genre and turns into a second genre I do and like turns that. into a third yeah. genre. And it, oh, okay. like, but it, the, but it, the way it, the way it goes from like one to another, to another, it, it's not forced. It doesn't feel gimmicky. It's just like, I don't know, man, it's, it's really good. And it's maybe the only movie that's kind of i guess lower budget like that you know that doesn't have like a a kind of a twist that that i was like wow that was original you know like an actual original movie that wasn't taken from the inspiration of something else like again as much as i love chris as much as i love christopher nolan you know the the prestige is really the only movie that he has that you don't that like okay the dark knight super great 10 out of 10 but it's basically heat reskinned as batman in a way yeah. you know um you know like you said with with uh with interstellar is based that there's parts of 2001 it's 2001 um, repackaged and basically well that in solaris um yeah. it's just kind of like it's kind of you take you take a lot of those trippy space movies you know but oh, but man like and but that and, and so that's why you know Arrival by Villanueva, like man, it just yeah. it was. It, I just did not see that movie coming. Like a a Dude. movie about aliens that isn't a big budget action movie. You know it's what movie? Like, you know what the the movie that set me onto Villanueva was, and I think we saw it together. Actually, this may have been when I was prisoners. Working. Prisoners, dude. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Prisoners. A movie that I actually disliked until I watched it a second time dude. and went, okay, I was the really ending. Wrong. The ending of Prisoners freaking mm-hmm. knocks the breath out of me every time so, i watch it 
Like my problem with prisoners was is they is that there was kind of a twist in it, right? But they telegraph. But if you're like good at that kind of thing, they kind of telegraph the twist like thirty minutes into the movie. Yeah, and I sort of like saw it coming. I was like, oh, the guy had the necklace on, and that's the same thing that's in the dude's house, and that's his mom. She's the yeah. one. That, you know what I mean? Like. And so when it was over, I was like, oh, okay, cool. They did this twist ending. And I like, I literally saw this coming for the last two hours. But when you watch it a second time, you know, and you don't worry about there being a twist ending, you just see it for what it is. It's like, wow, that movie was really good. Yeah, no, it's like deep and it's Jackman's and dark. Best, and, it's Jackman's yeah. best performance too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hugh Jackman's great in it. Jake Gyllenhaal's great in it. Um, uh, all the acting is really good. It's, I mean, it's, um, I was like, this director is uh, somebody to watch, and then he has been. And uh, I mean, yeah, same, I mean, I same, do not like same thing with Ari Aster. I'll watch whatever he puts out from from here on out. <laughs> like, yeah, and I mean, like I've said it, I do not like Blade Runner, yeah. but man, twenty forty nine is good. Like, it's yeah. just good. I I like actually like it, and it makes me kind of appreciate Blade Runner. Like it, it was such a good sequel that it makes me appreciate a movie that I find overrated. <laughs> that, that is a good sequel. Then. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. um, I guess well, we've been uh, talking for, uh, uh, almost, I mean, f- 53 minutes now, almost okay. an hour. Well, so if we go much longer, right. it won't be a mini anymore. No. Um, yeah. okay. So I guess my last, uh, my last thing I wanted to ask you and then we can sign off is, where the heck is Clive Owen and why is Children of Men like an incredible movie that no one talks about? What is Clive Owen doing these days? You are <laughs> right. Children of Men is a, a an awesome movie. Um, I feel like it was you know acclaimed at the time when it came out, but um, it's one of you know sometimes there are movies that get a bunch of oscar buzz and acclaim when they come out and then like literally the next year you like you'll say something about that movie and people will be like what movie is that never heard of it mm-hmm. um i feel like that's what children of men is but it's actually awesome yeah um, super 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 good movie. every and day I, mean, like, I feel like michael Caine's character in that movie as the apocalypse yeah, just, closes <laughs> just wants to smoke weed all day long while while there's the apocalypse just hiding in the woods yeah Yeah. i just want to bring that up because like as much as i love the movie logan it's literally just children of men reskinned as dude x-men you want to know what uh you want to know what the the next thing that clive owen is going to be in yeah let's do it He's going to be in a mini series, American Crime Story, the the oh, Ryan Murphy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And guess who he's playing? Oh my god. William goodness. Jefferson Clinton. He's playing Bill Clinton. <laughs> he is playing Bill Clinton. What? I'm seeing what this storyline is about. Is it a, is I I think it's about Monica Lewinsky. It's about the impeachment of Bill yeah, Clinton. Yeah, yeah, it's oh about goodness. it's about the Lewinsky scandal and the impeachment, yeah. I'm sure I, it will end up being a puff piece on how don't great know. Bill Clinton yeah, is. Yeah, well, it's Ryan Murphy, so I'm sure though he'll go extremely easy on Bill Clinton. But um, maybe he'll surprise me. How though. dope maybe, would it maybe, be? How, what, what would it, would it be how awesome would it be if he, be if he, he just, actually showed? Dude, I mean, that could be like the Me Too turning on on the Clintons finally. Um, but 
yeah, that it'll be interest that that'd be interesting to see. I'm looking at Clive Owen's face. I can kind of see how if you put prosthetics on him, you could make him look like Bill Clinton, but he really bears no resemblance to Bill Clinton whatsoever. But that's what acting's for, I guess. I'm gonna look it up see if he's got one. Clive Owen, Bill Clinton. Uh, they don't have any like images of it yet, but that's. I mean, yeah, if you type it in, Clive Owen, Bill Clinton, and show it like side by side, and you could see how he can pass off. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Well, uh, before we sign off on here, uh, do you have any additional comments that you feel like people uh, that that is just a burning desire of all of the things that we've talked about here? Recently? Oh man, um, if I had one wish, I would wish that people would uh, send your uh, your, your listener. Uh, suggestions for segments <laughs> for questions for us uh, to magic in the attic podcast at gmail.com and also to please follow our Twitter at uh, uh, magic in the attic pod. Wait, let me make sure I have our Twitter handle, right? <laughs> I run our Twitter. I need to make sure I know what the Twitter handle is, but yes, follow us on the social medias um, magic in the attic podcast. Oh wow, this ending was flowing so well. <laughs> yeah, no, it it sucks. And then it's a die. mini episode. It's a mini episode. It doesn't have it to is. be good. It, it doesn't is. have it's, to be no. good. It's it's, it's at magic crap. in the attic. At magic in the attic. Right. That's where you want to follow us. It would mean the world to us. Please give us a follow. Anything you got and on your mind? No. Nope. And midnight for midnight, Mark. Just uh, make sure you do what your governor says and wear your mask. On to the next one, folks. Even between bites. Good night. Good night. The magic in the attic is back at it again. You're just chilling to the rhythm. And then the comes in. Sit right back. And just have a good time Listen to the music And let your feelings fly Grab one of your friends And just sing and dance Sing and dance Till the night ends in sweet romance Cause all that I'm trying to do have a good, good time All that I'm trying to do Is have a good, good time Stop now, we're doing this all night long Cause I just want to laugh it all away Cause I get this feeling that it is going to stay Cause all that I'm trying to do is have a good, good time all that I'm trying to do is have a good, good time.
outside, so come play. Soak up the sun and think about the things of the day. Thinking about you, all that I can. Running in circles around and around in my head. Do is have a good, good time. All that I'm trying to do is have a good, good time. All that I'm trying to do is have a good, good time. All that I'm trying to do is have a good, good time.